Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Pentecost season this Wednesday, June the 15th, as the light of Jesus shines on us from Genesis chapter 17. It brings up a very important reality throughout the scriptures, something that in the New Testament it speaks about, and it all centers on the promises of our Lord for his people. The signs that were there in the Old Testament, we are speaking of circumcision. It's one of those unique questions that comes up, seems like always every year in confirmation. It's a question that arises around the dinner table, maybe if you're reading the Bible with your family, and it always brings a little bit of blushing in everyone's cheeks as they try to figure out how to explain this. But ultimately, we remember that this is full of promise, a promise for Abraham, a promise for all generations, and ultimately points us to Jesus. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back Pastor Jason Bredesen of Trinity Lutheran Church in Sacramento, California. Pastor Bredesen, happy Pentecost and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Good morning, Pastor Finner, and it's great to be back. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, Pastor, what's going on for you, your family, and the work of the saints in Trinity? Well, this is a fairly significant week for my family, as tomorrow my beautiful bride and I will celebrate 21 years of marriage, Mm. and uh, we just celebrated the ninth birthday of our son on the 11th, so we've we've got reason to celebrate this week, and it's been joyous, and the saints at Trinity are going strong. Um, uh, living the dream out here in sunny, warm Sacramento, California. That's that's good news. It's um, you know, and it's warm here too in Minnesota. You know, we kind of have these moments in Minnesota where we're able to say, "Hey, it's warm here too," and it happens for about three weeks. And so we happen <laughs> to be in the midst of that right now with you in California, even though it's probably hotter there than here. So. Pastor, um, any first thoughts? You got the luck, luck of the draw today, and we're going to talk about circumcision. How do you want to? How do you want to start us off? Like when a, when somebody in confirmation brings it up, it brings a little bit of insecurity. So, Pastor, how would you? How would you? Uh, I want to say, how would you begin this conversation that keeps us in the right mindset as we look at circumcision? Yeah, excellent question, and um, there is no shortage of sensitivity with regards to the subject and uh, with the modest nature that is before us, I think it's important to remember the purpose that circumcision had in the covenants of God. And that was to show forth a people for God. Uh, Hebrew males could not live their lives without recognizing and acknowledging daily that they are, were God's chosen people and that their chosenness took a physical form, a physical promise, a very real and tangible expression. It's very instructive, I think, to us uh, as um, the people of God, Christ, as God still 
is faithful to his promises in a very physical, real, and tangible way through word and sacrament. And that's and that's an important reality as a sacramental church, which we are as Lutherans. We don't want to go too far with this because it can get very confusing very quickly because you don't want to make a one-to-one with the sacraments and circumcision for various reasons. But it does show that God works physically. I think of Jacob wrestling with the Lord, that God physically touched him and, you know, and, and, and it hit one out of joint, right? Um, that mm-hmm. God physically came in the burning bush. Those kind of realities are... Uh, 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 the scroll that he gave physically for him to eat. I mean, this is all this physical yeah. realities that we believe that he still does today. So let's let's end there. Keep that in your mind for you, our listeners. And Pastor, can you begin our time in prayer as we dig deeper? Yeah, let us pray. Holy Father, you chose Abraham to be the father of many nations and to be... Um, the predecessor of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a gift that you have given to us in the life of the church, in the life of faith, and the rejoicing that we are your people, that you have chosen us, and that you have chosen us to be a blessing to many, even as you did with Abraham. As we study now Genesis 17, we pray your mercy to be upon us, that you would open our eyes, minds, and hearts, to hear and receive your word, that we might be blessed and be a blessing to many through Christ our Lord. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Now let's start by reading all of our verses today, which is Genesis chapter 17. We'll be studying verses 1 through 14 as we see the promises of Abraham, I mean, and this is what's been really fun about going through Genesis, is you have all of these theophanies, you have all of these covenants, you have all these promises that if you, you know, we can get caught up in singing the song, Father Abraham and Many Sons, right? Pastor, If you did you sing that as a kid? Remember that song? I have, and uh, that's song has been very much at the forefront of my mind as I've looked into this passage. <laughs> good, good, good. Don't ask me to sing it now, though. No, I will not ask you to sing that. Maybe chant it as we go through our yeah. <laughs> uh, through our text here today. But but it is it is something we can get lost in the genealogy and lose track of the promises that are there. So just a reminder to our listeners, as you hear this, think of the whole breadth of Scripture and ultimately have your Christ goggles on. So let us begin chapter 17, verses 1 through 14. We hear the word of our Lord. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall you be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, 
all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. I and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout your generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You should be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it should be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money, from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. This is the word of our Lord. And Pastor, there I mean, there's really two sections here. So let's um, kind of break that down a little bit. You have circumcision, and at the beginning it speaks about covenant. How do you want to? How do you want to start? We are talking circumcision a little bit, but talk about covenant. What 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 is what is God doing with the covenant and His promises here? I think it's very significant that the covenant is something that God is doing to Abraham or for Abraham. It's not it's not uh, a mutual covenant of. Um, of God and Abraham coming to an agreement, but it is God coming to Abraham with the covenant and asking that he uh, be mindful of the covenant, to be obedient to the covenant, to hold fast to the covenant throughout his days. Uh, So it is um, very much God's doing upon Abraham. And so, and, and that's a, that's an important distinction. Now, I know you have been um, studying Galatians as well, um, and and when we look at that, this covenantal language is very strong in Galatians as well. Very much so, taking all of these things, uh, the circumcision, and when you look in Galatians, speaks about circumcision, very explicit language as well. And I would encourage our listeners after you read Genesis seventeen today, I would I would encourage you to read Galatians after this. But really, what's it all about is, is the big question. So I'm going to kind of pose that question to you, Pastor. As you look throughout all of Scripture, Galatians included, when you talk about circumcision and covenant, the changing of Abram's name to Abraham, all of that, what is this all about? What's your, what's your thoughts? The whole thing is about God choosing for himself a people, making them distinct, um, pulling them out of the the pagan nations around them and saying, you're my people and I am your God. And uh, the whole purpose behind this uh, is that, that this people of God would be a blessing to the nations around them. Uh, They were not to be insular, even as we, the church are not to be insular. Um, And the whole reason for the covenant, the pulling out, the sanctifying, the setting apart of the Hebrew people is to um, to make them God's own people and to uh, to really rejoice in the truth that uh, Abraham and his offspring are to be a great blessing to um, the entire earth, really. And that's <laughs> why is that important that God's people are set aside 
and chosen for our listeners this morning as we look at you know the changing of Abram's name and that's significant that there's this set apart reality we can read about that in the Old Testament go oh cool that's kind of cool to be an Israelite but what does that mean for our listeners today any any words of encouragement as we begin well, you brought up Galatians, and um, I, too, would offer the encouragement to all of our listeners to look at Galatians afterwards, uh, especially as you consider Galatians 3, where to be baptized into Christ is to be a son of Abraham, a child of Abraham, an heir according to the promises given to Abraham. So we who belong to Christ, who is the fulfillment of uh, all of these promises? Uh, Paul says in First Second uh, Corinthians that we uh, all of God's promises find their yes and amen in Christ, and uh, so we who belong to Christ, who have been baptized, who have been clothed in Christ, according to Galatians, um, in our baptism, we now are God's chosen people and uh, are given that chosenness, um, not just to rejoice in and of ourselves for all of eternity, which is, I don't know about you, Pastor Fennern, but I, I kind of like it. I'm, I'm <laughs> grateful for it. Um, but we are to also love the neighbor in need and um, ever be that blessing that God has called us out uh, of the world to turn back to the world as priests, uh, holy priests, the holy priesthood, to love and serve those around us, to speak to God on their behalf. Mm. And that's, and that's, that's uh, yeah, right, for, for, for the sake of our neighbor and to the glory of God. And, and it really hits home as we hear the words today of this, Isaiah 43 talks about, um, I have called you, you are mine. And we see that happen mm-hmm. to Abraham. And I encourage our listeners, what does this mean for you as we hear these words today? So let's begin. We're beginning in verse 1 of chapter 17. Um, and I will, I th- I'm going to read all the way through verse 8 because there's a lot of good stuff here that we can dig into for this beginning part of our study. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you, your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. Pastor, there's a lot of promise that we can highlight here. What, where do you want to start with the promises that God gives? I think it's very appropriate, considering what's before us, to recognize the very presence of God. Uh, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram. 
that I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Uh, and then he covenants with them. The, the, the whole the whole basis for all of these promises are really the Lord's appearance to Abram, his very presence with him. Uh, and it speaks to the, the nature of who God is. As, as you have been studying Genesis, uh, you certainly recognize that even in the garden, Adam and Eve having consumed the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and fallen into sin— while they were hiding from the Lord, the Lord was still pursuing them and calling out to them. Uh, we have a very, very present God who continues to appear to us. And that's where, so you start with a God that's very present. So Abram is 99 years old, and no matter how you tried to spin this, um, that's old. <laughs> <And so, laughs> You know, you can talk about the age of many people in those days, and and I don't want to get too far into that. But it's very clear that 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 Moses put this puts that in there is because these promises of God are not necessarily for him at that mm-hmm. age, and and so mm-hmm. he says, and so he's Abram at this point, and he says, "Your name shall be Abraham, a mult, you know, a father of a multitude of nations." What's ironic about this stage of scripture? that God is making these promises to Abraham. Uh, yeah, you, you're, you point out his age. He is certainly not a young man. And as the passage goes forth and Isaac has promised uh, to, um, to Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, and she laughed because she recognizes there's just not a lot going on, but, I realize I'm getting ahead of you in your study, so uh, we don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole, do we? No. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he uh, he's not a young man, and and yet the promise is given to him, and the promise is to bear fruit throughout the generation. And so he doesn't have a kid. I mean, that's just you know, right. um, you know, and it's just like, wait a second here. Uh, you know, how's this going to work? How's this going to work through <laughs> me? You know, there's a lot of other just so proper type of situations that continues to happen here, has happened prior to this. Um, but it's kind of like, well, obviously that one's not going to work. So how is this promise still real? And so you have this reality that God does his work different than how we do it. So he gives all these promises, and I always wonder, because we do see later, like you said, even Abraham laughs. And this is kind of fun mm-hmm. because, you know, if you see someone named Isaac, you can just, the name Isaac means God laughs, it means laughter, mm-hmm. you know, because of Abraham and Sarah, how they were. So it's almost surprising right here that he doesn't start laughing right there again, because he does it later on, but why not in this one? Maybe he's just so overwhelmed by, how am I going to sign my checks? You know, how do you, how do yeah. you do this Abraham thing, that kind of thing. Um, but that, so he makes that promise, but he doesn't do so and say, by the way, you have a bunch of kids. As he goes, verse 7, and establishes his covenant with them. And this is not just like a short-term covenant like you and I, if I were to say, hey, I'll buy that, that theological book from you and I'll give you $10 or whatever it might be, um, and I'll promise to do this. This is a, a, a wide scope covenant. So can you talk about that a little bit, this covenant that God's making with him? 
I think it's fair to say that it is a very wide scope covenant. It says here it is an everlasting covenant. So it's not a limited covenant. It is not a short-term covenant. It is something that God is doing to Abraham, and he's doing it for all of eternity. I often, with my people at Trinity, love to point out the language of Scripture that that any time or, or so often in uh, passages like covenants and uh, salvific language, salvation language, what you see is God is the operating agent and we are passive. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, um, as we receive then the, the covenants, the promises, the salvation that God offers, it's then that um, the Lord speaks of the response that we are to have. And so it is here with Abraham and the covenant that he gives. He is, he is changing Abram's name. He is, he is the one doing the action, making him the, the father of a multitude of nations. And, um, and, you know, giving him the promise that he will be exceedingly fruitful and that kings will come from him. Um, and, and that the covenant is everlasting, and God is doing it to him or for him, upon him. He is the active agent. And this is where Abraham's response um, at the beginning is that he's, he fell on his face. So Abraham totally does not feel worthy of this calling. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's something that... We hear throughout, we, we highlight the laughter that God's promises were, you know, like, okay, yeah, we're going to have a child, which, I mean, let's be honest, let's sympathize with that. You know, let's even say <laughs> 10 years from now, I'm in my 40s, you're in your 40s, 10 years from now, someone said, well, you're going you're gonna to have a child. And you're like, okay, how could I not laugh at God at that moment? You know, it's just like, okay, God, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. So we talk about that a lot. But when you do see Abraham from the beginning, the man is just full of faith because he's called out of a land that is not a uh, God-fearing land whatsoever. He leaves all of that, travels a far distance to a land that has nothing to do with where he's from or family lineage or any of those kinds of things. And he's a faithful man that follows all of that. Now, as we look at, at this, God gives him all, he's like pouring these promises upon him. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, he says. I'll make you nations and kings and all of this, and I'll give it not only to you, but to the future. So how overwhelming this had to have been for him, looking in the past and say, okay, well, God's been faithful to this point, but he's also promising so much more in the future. Why is that important for us to to look at Abraham as a man of faith and the promises that we have and how we should respond when God makes these promises as well. And any, any, I don't want to compare us to Abraham. That's a little bit of a high order. <laughs> but he does give us an example of being full of faith and looking at God's word faithfully. Any thoughts? He definitely does give us an example. And we see that in Hebrews 11, where, um, where the writer to the Hebrews points to Abraham and so many other leaders of the faith to say, look, uh, this is, not about what you do or don't do it's about belonging and it's about um responding in faith right it's not the teaching that paul gives in romans that abraham was justified by faith 
Mm. not by works of the law. He couldn't have been justified by works of the law. He preceded the law. Uh, I do really appreciate verse 3 where where Abraham shows, or Abram at that point, shows the holy reverence in falling on his face. And, um, you know, I think, I think this is instructive to us, too, that in God's coming, uh, we are essentially forced into a holy reverence, as it were. Uh, if you think about the times that, that um, God appears in Scripture, I think of the call of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. You think about the annunciation of the birth of Christ and the angelic beings coming uh, to the shepherds. Uh, really, so often in Scripture, when there is an appearance of God or his messengers, there is a... Um, a forced holy reverence. Mm. We we think about the word glory, and we think of it uh, as kind of the bright and shiny. And yet, especially in the Old Testament, the glory of the Lord, the kavod of, of the Lord, the kavod of Yahweh, is an incredibly scary thing. Uh, it, it forces us to acknowledge the presence of the Almighty, and um, and so often following that it comes the word of peace. Think about the resurrection appearances of Christ in the upper room. He mm. he rolls in through locked doors as the disciples were gathered for fear, and uh, of course their fear um, exponentially increases because here's Jesus through a locked door who they had witnessed die, and. Uh, and he reaches out and touches them and speaks to them and says, my peace I give to you. And, uh, and here, as Abraham is um, very strongly encouraged, no doubt, uh, falling on his face out of the holy reverence that he has for Yahweh, the Lord speaks to him with promise. And it's promises we need, and I want to touch on that um, after our break. We are studying Genesis chapter 17 with Pastor Jason Bredesen, and we'll be right back. What's happening in Germany's Lutheran churches, where Iranian refugees are flooding through the doors? What new opportunities for sharing the Christian faith are arising in communist Vietnam, and how can my church play a part? Mission speakers, all LCMS pastors from the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, will come to your church free of charge to preach and lead Bible studies tying into this exciting work going on all around the world. To schedule your speaker, call LHF at 800-554-0723. Welcome back. We are studying Genesis chapter 17 with Pastor Jason Bredesen of Trinity Lutheran Church in Sacramento, California. Now, Pastor, you referenced, you know, different parts. Romans talks about, you know, it's about faith that, that Abraham was saved. We also hear in Hebrews chapter 11, when in chapter 11, verse 8, which is the great, you know, the, the faith chapter of Scripture, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of a, to a place that he had received an inheritance. By faith, he went to live in this promised land. 
by faith, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. It highlights that and the faith of Sarah as well. This is an important piece as we look at this. He, he bows down in faith, and we shall do the same, even though the glory of God might be quite scary, but that's why we read Galatians, right? That's why we read Colossians, this understanding of exactly who this redemption is for the forgiveness of our sins. So, Pastor, we've gone through 1 through 8. We've talked about all the promises, the promises of, of everything. We'll get to a new promise when we move on in these verses. Anything else we want to highlight in those first eight verses? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Pastor Finner, <laughs> that, uh, that even though the Lord is high and exalted, he, he comes to us, and he comes to us with great promise and with great, um, great salvation. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. I thank you. Uh, well, thanks, thanks be to God. God. Yeah, thanks be to God for all the promises he gives. So we'll move forward, and, and from here, like I said, um, we are going to highlight circumcision, and I would encourage you to do some research on this. Um, we're not going to go into deep details of what circumcision is, but it is good for us to know that this does involve uh, male and anatomy. Um, it is something that brings up many questions about why did God bring this? A couple questions that do come up as we look at it um, is the first one. I remember when I was in college, someone said, well, circum- baptism basically replaces circumcision. Like, okay, so I do want to talk about that today. At the same time, uh, is this mean that the promises for someone who is Jewish, for example, that when they have a circumcision, does that is that the same? So it's kind of like you have that, we have this. In America, circumcision is very common. And so does it have any connection to all of this? All of these things we want to cover as we slowly go through these number of next verses. So we begin in verse 9. And then God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Pastor, I want to stop right there. Uh, There's a lot more we could read, but I want to stop right there because the first one is this everlasting covenant. Now God turns to Abraham again and basically says, as for you, you you shall keep my covenant. And what is God doing when he's turning to Abraham here and, and, and kind of putting it back into his, in his corner? Yeah, as we spoke earlier, God did the covenanting with him, and then uh, with that covenant, there is an expectation that there will be a response to that covenant, a, uh, a faithfulness to who God has called Abraham and his descendants to be. So he uh, he says, "Look, I'm I'm I did this for you, and having done it for you, now um, you are to um, understand and appreciate in the the very physical, very real nature the 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 truth that is behind these promises." And so, pastors, you will look at that. It is uh, how does God do that? To- us today because as Christians we understand that our full salvation is dependent on the cross and so when we look at Ten Commandments for example or you look throughout the epistles 
where it speaks about, you know, this is what you do. Look at the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus. It's very clear that he's saying, this is what you do. How do we look at that appropriately when he looks at Abraham and says, now you keep my covenant, and the Lord says that to us, and you are to live this way. How do we look at that appropriately with the high calling that we have, obviously leaning on God's grace as well? Any any encouragement for our listeners? Yeah, Jesus is asked throughout the Gospels uh, on a couple of different occasions, hey, what's the greatest laws? And Jesus responds, well, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he follows it closely with the second table of the law that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. You bring up this, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the, the Beatitudes uh, there, and uh, I liken the Sermon on the Mount to um, kind of a, 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 let's see, now my mind went blank. Too early, Pastor Finner, it's too early, um, to boot camp. Uh, ah. Jesus very clearly lays out the expectations of the Almighty, uh, but it's for the sake of tearing them down that he might build them up anew. And he says in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, look, I came not to uh, to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, mm-hmm. right? So he is saying in that, go ahead and try to fulfill the law, but you're not going to be able to do it because I'm saying uh, if you think naughty thoughts about someone, you're either committing murder or adultery. And well, you know, I've I've been known to murder, not to the point of drawing blood and physical death, but I have thought bad thoughts about other people, mea culpa, right? Mm. And um, and so he's he's uh, pointing them to the reality, pointing us, the disciples, um, he's pointing Abraham to the reality, the truth that the uh, the blessing that he gives to us. Uh, be used then not only as we receive the blessing, but to be a blessing to others. My confirmation verses, uh, you're, you're going there with me today, Pastor Finner. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship prepared, uh, um, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus um, to do good works that he has prepared for us to do and who walk in them. Uh, so as we look at the, the covenant that God makes with us and our response to it, it's, it's very much that. It's a response. We are not bound by the law. And yet, as we live out our life in Christ, it looks very much like the fulfillment of the law. Love of God, love of neighbor. We rejoice in the gifts that God gives to us in word and sacrament, the blessing of gathering with God's people, and we uh, and we uh, gather uh, gather together in that capacity to be sent with the blessing of the Lord and to go out and love and serve the neighbor in need. And so we see this as very. I mean, God does not hold back. He's like, okay, now you're going to follow my covenant. And it's good for us to, as Christians to remember that, okay, that means you as well. That covenant of, for example, marriage. I would say that covenant that you confess before the Lord and his people as something like confirmation. 
you know, whoever confesses me before, uh, before men, I will confess before my Father in heaven, Jesus says. And so these covenants that we make are ones that he brings it back on us and says, okay, follow my way, follow me, Jesus continually says. And, well, we do that understanding that the grace of Jesus covers us throughout the whole thing. He doesn't leave us to just be on our own or something along those lines. But we are called to holiness, and so it's always good for us to remember it's time to step it up. And this is what God, but God doesn't leave us without promises, and that's what he does here. He says, hey, follow my covenant. Um, Follow my covenant and let every male be circumcised. That was something very important. It was a mark on those men to say, you are an Israelite. You are part of my kingdom. And so let's let's start here. How are we, therefore, marked now, Pastor? And I want to make sure we make this very careful. You know, how do we relate all this together, you know? But how are we marked now as we speak about circumcision in the Old Testament and we speak about our lives now as Christians? How would you break that down for someone? As as you say, it's important to be careful with our words here because uh, um, we want to acknowledge, uh, reflect on the promises of God. Do you mind if I take us to Colossians 2? Let's do it. That's uh, I was thinking that same thing, so please do it. Colossians chapter 2, I'll, I'll begin with verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Well, I I can say amen to that. You want to care to, it does speak about (laughs) circumcision. It speaks about, you know, with hands, but also by the Spirit. So what does that mean for us as we look at the promise made for Abraham and his offspring and the promise for us as ones marked and redeemed by Christ? Yeah, we, uh, we recognize that uh, circumcision, the, the promise given there to Abraham or the covenant made with Abraham there, um, was for a time. And we now as uh, those who belong to Christ, who have, um, who are found in him, receive the blessing and the promise through holy baptism. Mm-hmm. And as we look at that, it's, 
so let's let's look at this in two ways. I think we can say, I know we can say, that baptism is that physical marker that we have today as Christians, male and female. And, you know, Galatians speaks very very much in this. You know, male or nor female are one are one in Christ. Um, so we we can make a one to one. But we do have to be careful. It's not like, oh, we no longer have circumcision, so now we have baptism. And what you lose is that understanding of what he's fighting against in Galatians and in Colossians. He's fighting against that understanding of, okay, I've done the deed. I'm good. And what gets lost is faith. I mean, this is what Abraham was in the beginning. It was faith that got lost. And so we kind of live in those two realities that I, I've, you know, I remember sitting with a pastor in college, and he's like, you know, it does, but it doesn't. So it does replace circumcision, but it doesn't because both are needing faith and the promises of God in order to be what they really are, you know, those kind of realities. So, Pastor, how would you think about that distinction and make sure we're still on the right boat? Well, I think your words are very instructive, Pastor Finner, and that, that um, yeah, we are not bound is circumcision. Paul is very clear. You you look at Galatians three, what what you just referenced there, with regards to um, the the uh, gift given to all people, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ. And then it uh, goes on to instruct us that um, those of us who've been baptized, been baptized, have been clothed in Christ, and are heirs of Abraham. So, um, so yes, uh, baptism is now the the covenantal promise, as it were, uh, and the, the the physical and spiritual remaking, uh, recreation, new creation in Christ, and um, and yet it, we continue to live out our life in faith. I think Colossians is very clear there that uh, verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Having been dead in our trespasses, we are forgiven of our trespasses. And uh, now we have the gift and the blessing to be a blessing to many. And this is where, you know, it, it really is interesting and good for you, our listeners, to continually think about is circumcision was a sign more of the faith that was there. So these are faithful people being circumcised. And, but it didn't, it doesn't say when you're circumcised, you receive the forgiveness of sins. You know, that goes with the faith that they definitely possessed in the promised Messiah to come. When we talk about baptism, this is why you can't make a one-to-one or say it replaces as if it's on the same plane. But what do we have in baptism? And this is why Colossians encourage you. Once again, I mean, when we're done with today, read Colossians and Galatians. I think I'm going to do that today. Is because it really just, it unfolds and it peels back. and doesn't even peel back. It fully opens the floodgates of seeing the full promises of God and you see circumcision in a whole new light because baptism, you know, it works forgiveness of sins. 
you know, it uh, rescues from death and the devil and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of God declare. This is the fullness of everything. So we are able to see it through the lens of Christ, through the in, in faith, all that he gives to us, and it, it brings it back. Why would you even want to go back to circumcision? You know, it doesn't even make right. any sense to go back. And that was the problem for Galatia, Galatia and yeah. Colossae at the same time. So it really brings out that fullness that is there. But it not to negate the promises for Abraham, but let's not stay there when there's so much more to enjoy as Christians today. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, how very catechetical of you, Pastor Fenner. <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> um, no, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, the gift given in baptism, uh, why, would we, why would we go backwards? And that's Paul's very clear instruction in Galatians. If you do that, if you return to works of the law, there's no need for Christ. Um, we don't need him if we're going to try and do this thing through the law, through observance of um, commandments. Uh, we know that we have already failed at that and uh, are in desperate need of a Savior. Thank God he gives us one in Jesus. Uh, we don't need to worry about it. We are free, free from sin, free from death, free from the devil, free for the sake of the love of neighbor. So let's continue on, Pastor, to read the rest of our verses. We have about 10 minutes left in our time. And kind of we can kind of look, look at the realities of these uh, verses, what circumcision is, and to make sure we just, you know, learn a little bit of the practice. So, uh, see here, verse 11 until our end, which is verse 14. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign to the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh as an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of the foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant." So, Pastor, anything you want to highlight of the practice of what they're doing? Because um, this is very instructive, just basically this is what's going on. But any anything you want to highlight? Because there's a few things that I want to, but I want to start with you. I would point us first to the truth that this is a bringing into the community of faith, uh, the, the, the covenantal people. And it happens on the eighth day after birth. Uh, and I think this is instructive as we look at holy baptism and, and its gift given to all people, regardless of age. Um, it, it is a, a grasping hold of the promises of Christ through faith and babies through receiving the gift of faith uh, are able to grasp hold of Christ. They can receive. In fact, Jesus says, unless you become like one of these infants, uh, you will not receive the kingdom of heaven. We are instructed. We are called upon to have the faith of the child. And this is where, like the eighth day, this is where part of the eighth day theology comes in as well. 
as we speak mm-hmm. about Jesus being raised from the dead on a Sunday, they kind of look at it. This is the eighth day, seven days of creation, which we talked about, you know, at the beginning of Genesis. Now you have the eighth day, this new creation that we have. Jesus rises from the dead. We, on the eighth day, have a new life in Christ, connected with baptism. There's this newness of life that is happening that we're able to highlight. Um, and it, it isn't. It isn't like they had a whole new life when they got circumcised. It's kind of interesting just to think about all those dynamics in those days. I don't think that this would be a real clean practice. This would be something that I'd be real excited about. You hear in the New Testament different times where males were being you know, circumcised when they were older. Um, not something I'm really excited to think about too long, which I probably should stop talking about it right now. But it's, uh, it's something that you see this newness and this language and understanding that you are now part of this tribe um and i'm trying to think of other ways that we have this happen in our lives that you now know i am part of this community for us we have things like in the church obviously baptism we have things like confirmation like a new member sunday um in our culture you have you know if you like part of a service club like rotary club that there's kind of an orientation that you have when you become part of a church as a pastor there's an installation ordination um commissioning for our teachers and others and uh you know the president the inauguration of the president those kind of things any thoughts on that pastor especially in light of what you do um on the side i guess a side gig that you have as a military chaplain the importance of saying okay now you are part of this community and how that relates to us as christians yeah we are we are unique in the various vocations that we hold. Of course, you and I as pastors, that is a, a rather unique vocation. Um, the, the office of peculiar preaching, the, um, the confessions refer to it. I, my people usually refer to it as the peculiar preacher, but, uh, <laughs> that good. aside. And, um, you know, there are any number of communities that are distinct within our world, um, the clergy, the church, the military, uh, first responders, we can, we can go through and list them all, but, um, but yeah, it's worth celebrating our life in the church. As long as we always recognize that, uh, we're not closing the doors on others, but always seeking to bring others into the life of Christ, the life of faith in the life of the church. And I wonder, you know, when the importance of now you're part of this community, can you kind of touch on uh, about the like the military? You know, when you are brought into the military, you are very clear that you are part now part of the Air Force. This is an identity that basically is lifelong. Any thoughts on that and, and as the importance of that and also as Christians as we get inaugurated into the family of faith? Sure. Yeah. The wearing of the uniform and the veteran community who are listening in can recognize this. It it sets us apart. Uh, We we wear the uniform of uh, the United States military. uh, And even within the branches, the various branches, if you ask a Marine, they will let you know very clearly that they are not in the Air Force. Uh, And um, and uh, uh, all of the branches have their own unique culture and and just their um, um, bravado that they like to, to bear, bring to bear on uh, on each other, jokingly and uh, playfully. And 
uh, I think, you know, within the life of the church, it's so great to be able to gather together with God's people um, to receive the gospel from one another as he gives it um, through the fellowship of the saints. Uh, it's, it's good to belong. And clearly, it's, it's one of those, we, we like that, pop and circumstance is not the right word, but to be set apart is something mm-hmm. that we do enjoy because we all want to know we belong. We want to know that other people belong. And the pride that goes with that, I think, is a very healthy pride when done appropriately, which I think we are able to do in the church. One situation I wanted to share was a couple years ago, I went to an ordination and installation. This is a couple hours away, and, and uh, it's by where my aunt, my uncle lives. He's a farmer out western Minnesota, so I go to this. And my youngest daughter comes with me. And the service was forever. It was like, oh boy, it was forever. We had communion, and it was so full of promise and grace and all the bells and whistles that were just, I mean, you couldn't help but leave that place and wonder, well, I wonder if I have the word of God today and the forgiveness of sins. No, you know you had it, and it was beautiful. But throughout the service, I was nervous that my daughter, sitting with my uncle, her great uncle, was going to get very like, oh, my gosh. I mean, how long is this going to go? <laughs> we get all done, and and she gets in the car with me, and she goes, it was two hours, at least two hours, maybe a little bit longer. And my daughter says, that that wasn't as long as I thought it would be. It was really it was really cool, she said. And I was like, oh my gosh. This whole time I'm worried about it. And she's the one just receiving the gifts. And this is important for us, I believe, as we look at circumcision, that they are set apart. And he's very clear. When you're in, you're in, and you're out, you're out. And this is where we see that very clear distinction as well in our lives that the circumcision was always connected to faith. If you have no faith, the circumcision is, is nothing, you know. But mm-hmm. when baptism, you know, that sets us apart. And in faith, it's very clear, those who are in the faith and those who are not. And mm-hmm. this is very important for us to keep remembering because faith, you know, hears the word of God. Faith trusts in the promises of God. And faith is something he continually renews in us every single day. That's very clear in the circumcision, which cannot help but see the blood of Jesus covering this whole thing. So, Pastor, we have about a minute and a half left. How would you summarize our text and encourage our listeners today? Rejoice that God has uh, given these promises to Abraham and that uh, that his covenant with him is an everlasting covenant and that in belonging to Christ, through the waters of holy baptism, we are the heirs of Abraham. Paul instructs us in Galatians very clearly proclaiming um, the gospel. We, we do belong. We belong to Jesus. And any time he is present through word and sacrament, as you re- refer to that ordination and installation and your daughter's response to really receiving heaven on earth in a very clear and tangible way. What a, what a beautiful expression that is um thank you for sharing that pastor finner and i really like that well thanks be to god as always but we're out of time so pastor jason bredesen of trinity lutheran church in sacramento california giving us god's strong word from genesis chapter 17 pastor bredesen we made it through circumcision thank you for bringing us (laughs) his gifts thank you pastor finner and god's blessings to you all 
God's covenant is real and that covenant is fulfilled in Christ and that covenant is for you. The blood of Jesus covers you. You are marked and redeemed by him in holy baptism. So live in that covenant and love him and love others. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand. Mm-hmm.